1: As the frontman for Dream Theater, James Labrie has been the distinct voice for one of the most influential bands in progressive rock and metal history. The twice Grammy Award-nominated quintet continue to push musical and visual boundaries with their albums and tours, including their current international trek in support of their 14th studio opus, Distance Over Time. The singer also has a prolific solo career that includes releases under his own name and that of Mull Muzzler, which allow him to flex his musical muscles in other directions. Beyond his globe-trotting day job, Labrie loves to go camping and boating which is what we focused on for Episode 9 of Side Jams. This is Brian Reisman, and I called James via Skype during Dream Theater's recent tour stop in San Antonio, Texas, to talk about his love for the great outdoors. He shared some colorful stories, including the time he spent a week camping with his wife on a remote island with No Way Off, as well as what happened when raccoons ganged up on a family dog. Our chat also moved into other territory, including skiing, his love for reading, and on a larger scale, the state of our planet. After having interviewed him a few times over the last 20 years, it was nice to veer away from music and get to know what makes LaBrie tick when he's off stage. I think you'll find this episode pretty interesting. James, welcome to Side Jams. Thank you for chatting. Thank you, Brian. Great to be oh, here. Where are you actually right now?
2: I'm in uh, San Antonio. We're on tour right now. And then we have a, a show here tomorrow night. So nice. we have a day off. I've been walking the, the beautiful canals of uh, San Antonio. It's, it's gorgeous here. I love this this city.
0: Really? So, what are, what are the beautiful canals like? like? Where are they?
2: So you you uh, it's it's these long winding canals that you can walk down. You're inundated by restaurants all along the way, and uh, you know it's your choice of of food. You know, it's limitless. It's just a beautiful scene. You know the boats are coming down the canal. A lot of tourists, of course. Um, and then there's the Alamo that's uh, that's also in this this city. The, that's the right. historic Alamo. So. You know, whenever we played here, uh, I take advantage of it, and uh, I walk the canal. It's very therapeutic, you know. It gets me back in touch with reality, so to speak. Yeah, it's just a, a, a lot of history. The culture here is, is magnificent, and uh, yeah, it's a great city. If you ever get the opportunity, definitely come and check it out. You, you won't be disappointed.
0: I've been to Austin a couple of times for South by Southwest. That was ages ago. Mm-hmm. But I haven't really seen other parts of Texas. I mean, and, you're, and you are an outdoorsy kind of person. We've talked about the fact that you're into camping and boating and you like to, when you're not touring, you like to see the outdoors rather than the indoors that you see of arenas and, and amphitheaters all the time.
2: Right. Well, I mean, I've, I've always been that. I mean, I, I grew up uh, in a family that where we went boating all the time and, and camping. So, I mean, it was ingrained uh, in me at a, a very tender age. And uh, I think even more so now, I crave it just because of what you just said. You know, when when we are touring, we're basically hermits. We're, we're indoors. And uh, if we're not in a hotel, we're in a plane or a train or a bus or or the venue. So, you know, when I do get home and I'm unwinding, uh, the last place I want to be is in my home, believe it or not. I, I like to be out. And, um, you know, and when I say camping, Brian, I mean uh, – we have a, you know, it's, it's more of a luxurious camping scene. Like I'll go out in a, we have like a 30 foot big trailer. Yeah. So it bumps out into this like mobile home thing, you know? And then when I go boating, um, you know, we have a, a beautiful boat. So we go boating. I'm up around, uh, the Georgian Bay area. So it's part of the great lakes. It's part of Lake Huron yeah. is, uh, is where I'm up around. And, um, so the boating is magnificent up there. You know, there's a, there's so much to do and, and so much to see. And, and then aside from that, I love, you know, biking, doing the bike trails or, or just hiking and uh, just anything that gets me out, you know, really uh, embracing nature, so sure. to speak, you know. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, it's not, not quite glamping. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: right, right, exactly.
0: My dad's from the Midwest, from Illinois, and I, I, he, he liked to go camping when we were kids in New England. And it kind of drove me nuts, probably because of all the daddy-long-legged spiders that were crawling all over me when we were sitting by the lantern, oh, yeah. like, pinochle and stuff like that. And uh, I was never that outdoorsy. Is it, is it? What's the most sort of fun outdoors thing that you like to do?
2: Well, I mean, you, you know, there's a there's a few things. I mean, wherever we we happen to be going, like, if, if we are on this, this camping mode, you know, we always – take our bikes with us. So I always check to see uh, what trails are nearby so I can go biking. You know, my wife and I, and, uh, you know, our kids are older now, so they're, they're not necessarily yeah. joining the party, right? They're, they're doing their own thing nowadays. And, um, you know, and swimming, you know, if we're, if we're near to a, a lake or a bay, you know, uh, I love this swimming and, uh, and you have to have the campfire every night. You, you just have to. So yeah. I always build a huge campfire and, um, you know, sit around and listen to music. We usually have friends come up and meet us and, and sit around and chat and have some fine wine or, or brewskis, you know, beer, and and just uh, just talk about life, you know. And uh, it's just a great a great environment, you know, to just really unwind, be yourself, you know. And I also love to just uh, sit around the trailer too at times and, and read, so I'm into reading a lot. And that also, I think, is part of the uh, recharging of the batteries.
0: Right, right, yeah. For sure. But it it sounds like it seems like solitude is what you're craving.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: I think so. We used to go to a lot of established campgrounds. I mean, do you go off the beaten path? And if you do, then uh, how do you determine what's a safe place to to camp?
2: You you can't really go off the beaten path with a a 30-foot trailer. That's a good point. Yeah, it has has to be something that's going to accommodate you, you know, because you're hooking up to water. Right. And uh, or if you can't hook up the water, you you have the freshwater tank, but you don't want the electricity. So you have to have electricity to run all the, the gadgets within your trailer and that. And so, yeah, you have to you're you're kind of in a safe spot. There have been times, though, um, uh, where we have been at campgrounds where, the old black bears are walking by and um, saw a moose. We went up into uh, Algonquin Park and couple moose right. were, were walking by so that's kind of cool but you're happy that you're walking into your trailer at night because some of the places are are somewhat remote even though you are you know having uh, the electricity and that and the the convenience of a trailer which is pretty much like a mobile home right so for the most part you're safe yeah
0: for the most part <laughs> yeah
2: yeah i would think
0: so have there ever been any times where you've just gone on a regular small tent are they like just you and your wife oh in the yeah view?
2: Oh, yeah. Like, we didn't we didn't get into the, the trailer scene until maybe like 12 years ago because we just loved doing the tenting. In that case, we did go to some very remote places. I remember one time we actually had someone. Uh, so we went to a marina. And we had the guy at the marina take us to this island and drop us off. And he, oh, wow. was, he was to come back seven days later. Which which he did, thankfully, <laughs> you know,
0: because we only had
2: so much food and and water, and um, luckily we had these killer uh, coolers that we had with us, so it maintained the ice um, for the seven days. They were so well uh, insulated. So wow. we went up to this island, and it, it was a little scary, Brian, because I remember one night my wife and I we were we were doing the uh, the grilled chicken. And we, we had the whole hibachi thing going, you know, and all that stuff. And I yeah. said to her, I go, you know, you know what's crazy? I said, can you imagine if we got salmonella poisoning right now? We would be screwed because, yeah. I mean, very remote. No one was around. I mean, we'd see the odd boat, like maybe once every two days, a little wow. fishing boat go by. You know, and um,
0: it you know, sounds we, like a like the setup up for a bad horror movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. A
0: scary yeah, horror movie.
2: Yeah. Right. Can you imagine if there had been uh, some other guys coming up and going, hey, what's up here? You know, I mean, I don't know. I think I would have been hanging on to my axe because I always take an axe when I go camping. But um, the thing is, is that it, when we, you really start thinking about it, you, you're putting yourself in a somewhat precarious situation. And um, I remember when we saw the guy coming up again, we were like, "Okay, you know, this worked out. We had a great time. Amazing. but I'm never doing this again. You know, if we're going to go somewhere, it's got to be where there's other campers tenting. Yeah. So, yeah. And and, you know, we had uh, we had some situations where, you know, where where we were were camping in areas where I had to finagle like a, a rope system to put coolers like tie them really tightly bounded in rope and then hang them from a a big thick branch from a tree because one, you had the raccoons all over the place and two, you had the bears and, and bears, you know, they, once they've been around campgrounds, they become aware of where the food is. You know, they, they, they recognize the items. They know what the hell a cooler is. So I remember every night I had to go through, through this routine, tie up the, the coolers, get them hung about, I don't know, nine, ten feet off the ground. Something where they just wouldn't. And, and very tight so that there's no odor. There's no food odors because their sense of smell is incredible. Yeah. One night, I guess my wife and I had a, had a few too much to drink. And uh, we had like um, <laughs> some snacks in that in the tent uh-oh and fortunately for us it was our last night there and we woke up in the morning brian i kid you not there's a great big hole in the back of the tent and it looked like somebody had a food fight in our tent now wow. thanks, we didn't wake up because we don't know to this day whether a bear came in and grabbed all the snacks or was it just a, a family of raccoons saying hey thanks a lot you know but it pretty damn scary when you think of it because if, if either one of us had woken up and seen this thing beside us who knows like raccoons are vicious you, you corner a raccoon you might as well be cornering a, a wolverine um i was camping with my my cousins way back and right. i was I, I think i was about 14 years old and they had this um german shepherd coley dog it was a big dog you know and um the thing ran uh, and chased some raccoons into this like swampy area. And what they do, we found out from the park ranger, what they do is they collectively jump on the back of a dog and they try and drown it. So they try to submerge it. So this dog was strong enough that it got out, but we had to put it on a boat and get it to a vet immediately because it was all cut up, bit. It, It was unreal what they did to this dog. Like they just mangled it, you know, they mangled it. Wow, he, he was fine. I mean, he had to get you know shots, obviously, in, in case of rabies or whatever, right? But uh, yeah, yeah. And I remember the park ranger saying, "You don't ever corner a raccoon because they are vicious. They will tear you apart."
0: We used to we used to feed <laughs> raccoons in the. I grew up in suburban Boston, and we used to feed raccoons. That uh, would come out of the. We had uh, some woods behind our house. There's a few houses that had a small area of woods behind it. And so actually over the course of, I think, three or four summers, at least they would come out. This mom would come up with their babies or whatever, and we'd feed them. And they the mom got so trusting. She actually took bread out of my dad's hand. Yeah. Right at the, door of the, right. the, the on the deck, which is actually, you know, we were lucky they were that trusting. Unfortunately, our family cat decided to come out one night. Mm-hmm. On the other side of my mom had to go through the other door because it was on the other side of the yard to get him before he got into trouble because we knew that even though he was a fighter, that would not end well.
2: Oh, God, no. no. No, no. And you know what? They're they're fine. Like, we've done that, too, as well. Like, been at a campsite and, you know, you throw some breadcrumbs or whatever like that. They come up and they're the cutest things in the world, right? And they also tell you that, you know, like, don't feed them, don't feed them, don't feed them, you yeah, know? exactly. Right? Because then we have a problem here. And, um, but yeah, like in that kind of a situation, yeah, they're the sweetest things on the, on the earth, but man, I've seen the other side or I've seen the results from the other side. Yeah.
0: I, I can understand the appeal of camping. It's just not something I ever really was that excited it's about. I, I everyone.
2: Like... There's, it, it, absolutely. I mean, you know, my siblings in my, in my family, are like, hey, are you going to go camping? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> you know, they're just not into it. No.
0: But boating is something that's a, for some people is a little bit more social as long as you're not getting seasick. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, we don't have to do. I mean, oh, well, no, I, I shouldn't say that. We've been in some extremely rough, rough weather before coming back. And that, you know, when we go uh, boating, we're, we're, we're meeting a bunch of friends. You know, we tie up to like five, six boats. You're there for the afternoon and you're hanging out and you're just, uh, you know. Jumping in the water, getting back up on the boat and hanging out. And then you're cruising, too. You know, we, we go for uh, little excursions here and there. And and now we take advantage of, uh, you know, the whole uh, Airbnb and VRBO and all that stuff. We'll just uh, book a cottage, you know, somewhere where like way up the lake and uh, right, right. we haven't gone. And, you know, it might be like a, a six-hour cruise to get up there by boat. But that's also part of the enjoyment, right, is all all the scenery to get up there and then we uh we stay with with some friends with with some other couples um you know they boat up too with us and and we stay uh at these beautiful cottages and and just hang out for a few days and and, you know that's also part of it right and then during the day you know we used to always go like uh water skiing i mean i uh, I don't do as much water skiing as I used to. Uh, I, I still downhill ski um, all the time. Okay. Every winter, my wife and I and my entire family, actually, we, we ski and we always go to the big resorts out, out west. Or, you know, we've been all the way through Vermont and up into Quebec and out west Canada, west uh, in the States. And we just absolutely, you know, we do the Icon Pass, which um, the Icon Pass gets you into um, 44 uh, ski resorts around the world and oh, wow. what you, you pay a sum of money up front, obviously. And then you can ski anywhere from five to seven days free at these resorts. And so it's really well worth the money. Put it this way. If like you, you buy the ultimate icon pass, you're going to pay something like a, about a thousand bucks, right? Oh, wow. And if you go to a ski resort for seven days and the average cost is about $140 a day for a ski lift, you do the math. If we And we usually go on two or three of these uh, trips every winter. So it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. And then there's all the perks, right? You know, there's all sure. the perks that come along with those, with those passes as well. So, you know, the whole skiing thing is, is something that we've been doing, my wife and I, since we were five years old. So, you know, we are avid skiers. And that's also part of the way that, uh, you know, we, we thoroughly enjoy the winters because I know a lot of people, have problems with
0: winter,
2: right? Oh it's, yeah. Oh my god! I can't stand it, freaking place. I <laughs> know. Oh, oh, yeah. Right. So we uh, kind of chase away the blues, uh, the winter blues, with with that scene. But yeah, like you know, getting back to like the, the whole boating, that like, that's that's also part of it is to to uh, to go and uh, and check out all these different environments, right? These different scenes and that it's it's just a, a great way to spend your downtime.
0: What kind of a boat do you have? It how long is it?
2: It's not. It's not a big boat. It's just a. It's a Rinker uh, twenty three point two bow rider. Okay. It's a Captiva, and it has like a, a three hundred five Mercruiser in it, and uh, it will sit comfortably about twelve people.
0: Like yeah. how how long, how long of a trip would you take on that? Like what kind of a range do you have in terms of fuel?
2: Oh well, you know what, Brian? I I don't know how far I could go before I'd be hitting the empty. Well, hopefully they um, won't be stranded anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I always make sure that it's full or whenever I'm going by a marina, hey, might as well pop in, top it up. It's a day tripper boat. We were, we were considering getting like a, a 30 foot or a 36 footer at, at one point, And then talking to some friends of ours, they were like, yeah, I had that. And I came back down. I went back down to a, a smaller boat, like a 25 footer or whatever, and went for the day tripper just because. That seems to be when we can. That's the way we can really take most advantage of it. Uh-huh. Um, and so you know, to each zone. I mean, uh, you know, it's something that we, my wife and I, still play with. You know, should we check out the cruiser and you know, and have the whole under you know the cabin and all that stuff going on and with the with the head and all that. So I don't know. I, I think that we're we're more than satisfied with this boat. And I think if anything, the probably the largest we'd go would be you know, a 27 foot bow rider. I okay. I think I'd still stick with with the bow rider because it's it's a party boat. You know, it's a, it's just it's a fun boat to be on.
0: What's the craziest weather you've encountered on the party boat?
2: Uh, actually, it just it just happened to us, uh this summer we were coming back from a uh, place uh, up on Colton Bay. When we were heading home, we ran into a extremely high winds so i would say that the waves were anywhere from five feet to nine feet high right so we were uh luckily the wind was behind us so i was surfing i was basically surfing the waves but at times you know you, we were going down and, and smashing into them and and uh it was a little scary i mean we all had our life jackets on for sure there were a couple moments where I was like, okay, guys, if this gets any worse, you see that cottage, we're pulling in, and if no one's there, we're uh, we're, we're still going to somehow get in there, which is what some voters have, have done, right, in the past. And then what you do is you call, and you you, you leave a note, you leave all your information um, just to let them know what you've done. And uh and here's, please contact me so I can give you some money for, for the convenience and, and stuff right. like that. So it's it's somewhat a, uh, you know, a very tight, tight-knit community when you're out boating. You you know, there's a, I mean, you know, yeah, you have the snobs too, but whatever, they can, they can stick to themselves. I don't want anything to do with that scene. But for the most part, everyone's very, very cool and, and, and approachable um, out on the waters. And, and uh, it just makes for uh, a good time.
0: You're outside of Toronto.
2: Correct. A good ways. I guess in miles, that'd be about 100 miles north of Toronto. Yeah. So there
0: hasn't yeah. really been any ocean boating for you. It's more like in the lakes.
2: and. Oh, it, it, it's it's huge out there. Where you, you can be out, Brian, I swear to God, like in uh, like Georgian Bay or like Lake on, You do not see land. Absolutely not. It, they're, they're massive. Those bodies right. are, are massive. They are so big. And, uh, you know, you have the big ships coming through, the big cruisers coming through you have the big grain boats and any other kind of supply ships sure. that, that come through there so it's a lot bigger but i mean we tend to boat we're we're sticking close to to land we're not going out in the middle of nowhere because there's no reason for us to do that there's absolutely no reason for it you know yeah we have been even in some of the places that we chart because i have like the Navionics app you know so and the gps on my boat so even uh, some of these places, like I said, like a six-hour or even more, you get out into some of these charted areas, like where the the GPS is taking you, and you cannot see land around you for the life of you. There's no way. That's when you're like, okay, thank God for the good weather, thank God for the GPS. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure.
0: Now, have you have you ever done a, a camping trip that started as a boat trip or the other way around? Have you done both
2: activities together? No, I've never done. Well, no, yeah, yeah, like it. You mean, what do you mean? Are you saying, like, where it started out as a boat trip and then it ended up? Camping yeah, somewhere, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When we were tenters, that's what Karen, my wife, and I would do. Okay. So you start out on a boat, you take the boat, you go to a whatever island, and then you would uh, camp there for a few nights, then put everything back in a boat and go to another place, and, you know, like just check out check out some cool places that, that look like they would accommodate Uh, A nice few days for for camping and hanging out and swimming and campfires and all that other stuff. You know, yeah.
0: The other side, Jan, which is obviously your love for reading, which I'm assuming you do when you're sitting out in the boat or camping and relaxing. Mm -hmm. What do you like to read?
2: I like uh, sci-fi stuff. And I mean, right now I'm I'm reading a book uh, by Brent Weeks, Uh W-E-E-K-S. It's called The Blinding Knife. So it's more more like an altered reality right you know it's a series of books there's four books and it's it's all about taking light and bending it and and making it your power and um you know being able to create situations that are advantageous obviously to the individual and to uh the people that he that he runs he's like the king or the the emperor and that there's stuff like that i'm also reading like a book i like um you know, spiritual books or books on life. I'm reading uh, Jordan Peterson is uh-huh. the the author, and, it, and it's uh, Twelve Rules for Life, and it's just uh, you know about just realizing uh, you know we always are in pursuit of happiness, but the reality is is that life is is not was not necessarily designed so that we could we're supposed to be happy all the time. It's very dynamic, right? It's right. right. Yeah. So so the rules are that we, we kind of create that balance we we find that path that, that can kind of bring us that equilibrium uh, so uh, you know uh, and I like reading uh, the other one uh, I, it's called it's just simply called sapiens and it's Oh by about... uh,
0: you've all know harari Yeah yeah oh my god I, I did an interview with him for Costco like last year he was interesting, no He's an kidding. interesting
2: character yeah oh wow okay Okay, what, do you think so, of, what do you think of the book? Well, I, I just just started, so I, I can't really I can't really say, but I think I'm going to enjoy it.
0: I think you will. It's it's Go interesting. Ahead. I think I think it's the same as then there's Homo Homodeus, which I think is the oh okay. Just two books. He starts off with the history of mankind, and then he, and right. then later on he's talking about the future of where we're going, and some of it's actually kind of pessimistic, but it's also the reality that you know we have an increasing population, and yeah. as we've gotten more advanced and we've gotten better at taking care of ourselves, we're not taking care of the planet.
2: Yeah, um, that's that's the problem. Right. But it's, then, it's fast. And then what's our maximum? You know, like, wh- wh- what are we exactly. going to I mean, that's just I'm sure it's on the minds of everyone. Right. If you think about it, I mean, wh- what the hell are we going to do? You know, when we when we get to the point that we've reached as much as which I think we're almost there now. Are we not? Well, yeah. know, how much more can the can the planet? I mean, if it wasn't for technology where it's at even now, would we have enough food?
0: And you guys actually have uh, on the new album, An Ode to Mother Earth. Right, you know, exactly.
2: At so the, at,
0: the, at the end you know, of the album, and-
2: I still think when I have these discussions with with friends or family, and you know, we get around to that, and we're like, you know, okay, what about the greenhouse emissions? You know, and all this stuff, right? On. And um, what are we going to do? And I said, you know, I really feel, or at least I believe, that science will be our savior. Yeah. I, I think that they will come up with a way to eradicate the greenhouse gases whether it's through nanotech or or whatever it might be um i know that um uh what's his name there sir richard uh yes you know he's he's put up uh, he did this years ago he said 25 million to the first science team that that comes up with a, a solution or a resolution to our our pollution you know and you know nanotech is i'm sure you've read a on stuff like that but I mean yeah. it's fascinating what they can do where you know they've had where they they create these polluted little pools and they release this nanotech into uh the pool and it, and it cleans it up so I mean it's 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 kind of like I, I don't know if, if they're doing that now I wonder if they're also saying okay well wait a minute if, if we can do something like that then let's let, let's even bring it to you know the atmosphere what can we do for the atmosphere but I, I do think that that is what's going to save us. And then if the extension of that, like you think about the medical advances that are going on now, oh, yeah, from, absolutely. you know, from technology, that too, you know, and, and we do know that that technology is being used to grow our foods as well. So I think that all these uh, sci-fi movies that we were seeing and that we have been seeing, it's, it's becoming reality.
0: That's scary. I mean, yeah, you know, it's like it all, really all, this, all those 70s disaster movies, that used to be like, ah, Soylent Green, whatever. I'm like, I don't know, man. Right. What
2: well, it is it well, that you're reading? The, you see all this artificial intelligence. Like I saw, this was on uh, CNN or Fox, I don't know. They were showing this robot that was doing flips. It was doing like as if it was an Olympian. Yeah. So it was running, doing flips in the air, catwalk. And I'm, I'm thinking, hang on a second. That's a robot that's doing that? This is scary. (laughs) What is going on? Skynet, man. Skynet. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, you know something, actually. Do you think that, you know, I mean, you spend a lot of time outdoors. I mean, you obviously are on the road. You're dealing with a lot of technology. Mm. You're in a lot of venues. And the cliche is that when you are on the road, a lot of times you see the tour bus, see the back of the venue. You might Mm -hmm. be lucky to have a day off. Do you think that if more people were doing things connected to nature, they would consider more about things about climate change and would contemplate more about what we're actually doing to the planet?
2: Undoubtedly. Absolutely. Because when you're out there and you're realizing just how beautiful and diverse this, this world is this planet that we live on, and how fragile it is, you can't help but think about that. Like, it's always something that's on my mind when I especially when I'm out hiking. I'm like, look at this, you know, but how long can we keep this or how long will be before this kind of an environment or scenery is gone? Because of the way that we rapidly are eating up the planet. And we have no concern for that these areas, these remote areas or these, these, these ecosystems are what maintain us. And if we abuse it, it can only take it for so long. And, you know, let's face it, Brian, it's not, it's not going to be uh, nature of the planet. It's going to go away. It's going to be us.
0: For, I've been saying that for a long time. It's like everyone thinks like the end of the world is coming. No, the world's not going to end. We uh. are. Exactly. The world can exist for another million, two million years. It'll be though we almost no life on the planet. It'll rebuild, but we won't be it here. It'll rebuild.
2: Think- exactly. Look, you're already seeing its retaliation, right? You're already seeing how it's it's Absolutely. trying to compensate for the injuries. And with these weather systems and, and these monster storms that we're getting now, that's unprecedented. You know, it used to be, oh, yeah, but, you know, like during October, November, we get this and that going on. It's like it doesn't matter what time of the year it is we have things going on uh, globally that used to be an anomaly and now it's becoming regular it's becoming the norm exactly yeah it's it's a little it's a little frightening
0: so get out there and do more camping and boating is what you're saying
2: yeah get out there and and you know really (laughs) see it for what it is and maybe uh you'll have a voice you know yeah
1: absolutely yeah for sure that wraps up this latest episode of side jams Please join me for the next installment, which will feature Blind Guardian frontman Hansi Kirsch. The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them through AudioSocket. As always, thanks very much for listening.